Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone. My name is Jack Rico, and welcome to Highly Relevant, a U.S. Latino podcast examining how Hispanics are influencing and reshaping mainstream entertainment in the United States. Well, this could be one of the best episodes I've done. No, seriously, it's it's one of the best. I'm very, very fulfilled and satisfied with the show today. Uh, and one of the reasons is because I welcome to the show Eugenio Derbez, a self-made Hollywood leading man who shares the struggles of becoming a star in an industry that has not fully embraced his culture, his accent, nor his stories. Him and I discuss why he's making English language movies after such a successful career in Spanish. You've seen him in Univision for so many years. And then all of a sudden, three straight movies in English. Why? Also, uh, I talked to him about how he overcame the sellout stigma for Mexican peers. And a lot of that is due to, you know, if you're an actor in Mexico and you come to the United States and you start working here and you start speaking a different language, they think you're a sellout. And so he talks to me about how he overcame that and the thing that really sort of turned things around. And then finally, I ask him why he believes that Hollywood is afraid of creating Latino movie stars. You're going to be really surprised at the bluntness of his answer. Then, Avengers Infinity War is here. Ten years of Marvel movies comes down to this one moment. Is this the best superhero movie of all time? Well, film critic Mike Sargent, good friend of mine and good friend of the show, he comes on and we dissect the three major problems we had with the film and why overall we give it a 7 instead of a 10. Also, I'll give you a look at the top headlines in U.S. Latino pop culture news and recommendations to three new tracks I've discovered. So keep your volume up. This is the Highly Relevant Podcast. In a movie industry that has accepted Latino directors, but not its thespians, Eugenio Derbez is the prime example of how to create your own stardom in Hollywood as a Latino actor. As you're about to hear, Eugenio and I talk about his new movie, Overboard. It's a reimagination of the beloved Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell comedy from 1987 and the statement about social class he wanted to make with it. Plus, we discuss how he wants his new production company to make movies that break Latino stereotypes. I don't know what day it is. I don't even know my own name. Amnesia in our little town. That's him. I have an idea. 
that is poetic in its justice. Eugenio, how are you? Welcome to the Highly Relevant Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. And, and I um, you pronounce my name really, really well. Pues claro que sí, porque es que soy latino, por eso. Ah, con razón. <laughs> and so I remember I saw something on YouTube where you and Jennifer Garner, you were going through asking many people how to pronounce your name. And I'm like, but it's just, just pronounce it phonetically. Eugenio. And I don't know why so many Americans uh, have such problems uh, pronouncing your name. You know why they have problems? Because they read it. Oh, and Okay. They say Eugenio. Eugenio. Exactly. If they just hear the name and just pronounce it, it's going to be easier. But they don't do that. They read it and then they, it's like So, Eugenio, I want to share a story that you and I have together. I'm not sure if you remember this, but back in the day when you used to do Latino logs at the Helen Hayes Theater here in New York City... It was a pretty big deal because it was rare to see a Mexican, a Latino actor come to Broadway and kind of basically do his own show. And it was like, oh, my God. So I used to be the uh, entertainment anchor over at Univision 41 in New York City. And you and uh -huh. I, I interviewed you for that show. And I remember there was a moment that We were begging people to try and come to the show. So, tú y yo nos arrodillamos en frente de la, de la cámara y le estamos... Ah, I remember, yes. Por yes, favor, yes, por favor, yes. vengan a nuestro show. It was one of the funniest moments. Everybody was talking about that for so long because they thought that it was so funny for you to do that um, because it was the comical <laughs> aspect of, of everything. And so, it's one of the great memories I have yes. I, I, I've shared with you. Oh, yeah, I remember that moment, Jack. I mean, I, you just brought me back the, 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 that memory. Yeah. Uh, it was really funny. I know, I know. Well, you know, that this happened in 2005. Yeah, yeah. And look how much, so look how much has changed for you. I mean, I wanted to kind of uh, start talking a little bit about Overboard, but more than anything, Your life has changed. I know you from Familia Peluche. I know you from Univision. And now you're a different Eugenio Derbez. And I'm not sure what has gone into that. I'm not sure uh, how your mind has changed business-wise and how you look at yourself as a business, as a brand, and the accomplishments and the goals that you want to achieve But I think the first question I want to ask is, with such a successful career based in Spanish language, what are the main reasons that you have, to, that you have decided to make English language movies? Oh, that's a great question. Um, listen, <clears throat> um, I was, I had a dream when I was eight, nine years old. Uh, I had the dream of conquer Hollywood, and I used to watch the Oscars every single year with my mom by my side. And I, I, I always was telling her, I, I want to do that when I grow up. I want to be telling stories. I want to I make movies, and I want to go to Hollywood. So... Um, It was my dream for many, many years. And I remember that when I was 18, 17, 18, I started preparing myself to come to the U.S. to, to, to study and to try to break in into Hollywood. Uh, but, 
you know, and that's that was my plan, but life took me in another direction. And I started working in Mexico and I forgot about my dream. Mm, interesting. And um, I became a dad and I had to pay, you know, bills and whatever. The thing is that I forgot about my dream. And so when did it when did it trigger again? What was the event that made you want to stop what you're doing and recorrect your path? I was like, uh, I was 40 years old, more or less, when I said, I'm like kind of uh, tired of doing the same thing. Uh, I was like in my comfort zone and I wanted, I, I was getting bored. And I said, what's next? Just another season of Familia Peluche, another one after another one. And, and I said, you know, I, I want to retire young. I don't want to be here forever. I, I, I think I should start thinking about retiring. And I was 40 wow. years old. 40 years old, you're already thinking about retirement. Yes, because I said, I don't want to be doing this forever. And I, I want just to go live life and do something else. But my mom dies by then, around in 2002, something like that. And I'm sure my mom, when she died, she, she, she was encouraging me to pursue my dreams. And after she died, a few weeks later, I received a call from an agent from the U.S. Get out of here. And, and, and he said, I want you to come here to the U.S. because I, I wanted to work with you. And that was the call that triggered everything. Uh, and, and, and that moment after I hang up the, the phone, I opened the yellow pages and starting, I started taking English classes. I was just going to ask you about that. But before anything, do you correlate that the call that the agent made to maybe your mother in heaven? Absolutely. I think she, it was her reminding me, you have a dream. You had a dream. And you have to go for it. And so after that call, I, I started uh, learning English. I came to the Los Angeles to, for an intensive course of English. And in that trip, my teacher told me, uh, you should go watch a, a play in English just to practice your English. The play is called Latino. <laughs> okay, so that's how... Latino Longs happened. And I went to the theater, caught in a theater, a small theater in Los Angeles. And, and that's my first contact with Latino Longs and with the cast. And then uh, they invited me to be part of the show. I said, impossible, I don't speak English. Um, but I went to Mexico with that in my head. And three months later, I said, why not? I'm going to give it a try. I learned the script, just memorized the script with a lot of mistakes. And actually, let me tell you, let, tell you something, Jack. I was already on Broadway after three years of performing the show, and I was still making a lot of mistakes, and nobody told me, and I, I was not aware that I was making so a lot of- So how did you find uh, out that you were making mistakes? Uh, many years later, I was like, why nobody told me back then? And one, one guy told me the other day, we thought you were joking. We thought you were doing oh. that on purpose. And I was like, no, it was me. It was <laughs> Sorry, it was, it was the real me. <laughs> so uh, that's what happened. And, and, and the rest is history. History has been great to you, but, you know, there's something in between there that I wanted to kind of tackle. There's a lot of Latinos 
They want their Latinos to stay Latino. Y especialmente en México, when a Mexican decides to come to the United States, they feel like he's a sellout. Yes. And we all know that there's differences and sort of even cultural clashes between the Mexican and the Mexican-American that lives in L.A. How has yes. your Mexican community, your, your peers from Mexico, the Televisa guys, how have they embraced this? Do they think, ah, mira lo que pasó con Eugenio Derbez. Se fue allá y, y, y he, he sold out. He's now making English language movies. You're not going to be able to talk to him anymore because he's not really Mexican anymore. He wants to embrace this American culture. Have you dealt with that? Yes, a little bit, but I, I've been doing something that makes all this situation different because that happened, especially with Salma, mm -hmm. for example. That happened exactly like that with Salma. But I, that's why I started Uh, putting a lot of Spanish in my movies. And that's why I usually dub my movies in Spanish. And I'm still touring, like doing promotion tours in Mexico and in the U.S. because I want my people to know that I'm still with them, that I'm, that I'm doing a team with them, that I'm succeeding and with them. And you're also bringing in and Mexican talent into your movies as well, like an overboard. Exactly. And that's why... In my case, feels different because I'm not the kind of uh, person that I say, I, guys, uh, I'm gone now. I'm in Hollywood. I'm, I don't speak Spanish anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> Things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm really aware that I have an audience that has been faithful to me. That's why I keep uh, going back to Mexico. I do some work here and there. I still put some Spanish in my movies so they know that I'm still thinking in my, in my core audience. I wanted to talk to you about the formula that you've come up with that has been very successful that for some weird reason, no one else has been able to replicate with the level of success that you have. And that is the amalgamation, the mixing, the blending of Hispanic culture and white American culture in one single movie. Uh, when I saw Overboard, there's a couple of, th there's like two or three things that, that hit me right off the bat. And I'm going to give you one idea that I think you should do and you should really, really consider it because I think it'd be brilliant. The first one was, you decided to take an American film that all Americans know, which is Overboard with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, and you decided to yeah. reimagine it, right, for today. Secondly, the yes. roles were reversed, but more than anything, for the first time in a long time, The Mexican wasn't the service worker. The Mexican was the exactly. millionaire. And the, and the white exactly. Caucasian person that usually is the millionaire in almost every movie is now the service worker. So I thought that, that made a social statement exactly. about today. And I'm not sure if everybody's exactly. going to see that, but I noticed that that's Eugenio doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you totally, I totally caught it. And then thirdly, more than anything was... This ability to see a family of in, basically you have an interracial story here. It's a Hispanic man yeah. and a white woman together with white kids and how they called yeah. you dad and they never had a problem with your accent. They never had a problem with the way you looked. You barely mentioned that part of the story. It was really about the energy of the family of how 
how that family unit came together with love and light and just family, you know? It, it, it was this beautiful thing that had nothing to do with prejudice or racism or anything. And so it led me to this whole idea. You know what you should do? You star in a movie where you're the Mexican dad with six kids and you marry a white woman with her six white kids. And the cultural clashes <laughs> that would occur in school, in the neighborhood, at work, and explore those social nuances in this particular political and social climate in the United States and redefine the way the American family looks like. But it's tackled and explored in a Hollywood film. Jack, let me tell you that I'm, I'm speechless because, first of all, you got every single detail that we wanted to address in the movie you got it you got everything we did all that all that you said we did it on purpose but not everyone got mm. it i mean you're the only one and i've been believe me i've been uh having a, a many 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 interviews and you are the one that just got it you got every single detail so first of all thank you thank no, you please, for that thank you and uh, and um, and your idea about uh, doing this—it's it, it, amazing. I'm gonna consider it. I, I swear. It's the Hispanic husband with the white uh, wife, the three white kids. All that was missing was your three Latino kids. And yes. and yes. that okay. Imagine the Latino kid goes to school and he's being yeah. bullied upon by maybe a white kid, and the sister comes in and defends him. Exactly. Because there's exactly. that bullying that does happen in school when you're from when you're a foreigner. You know, hey, look at the way you speak. Yeah. Look at the. But but if you can have, hey, we're all the same. It's a great. It's a great great idea. Uh, honestly, I I will consider it really serious because it's a great idea, and that's what we wanted to do here also. Uh, and and you got it. We we didn't want to to make any comments about uh, Leonardo being Mexican and and and. You know, this interracial uh, couple with, with kids, we didn't want to address anything about it because that's America. Yeah. I mean, if you walk into a store, you're going to find an Asian, an Indian, and a Latino, two Afro-Americans. That's America. And nobody says anything. It's not like, oh, look. So that's what we wanted to do in the movie. And, and I really thank you for, uh, for getting the picture, the whole picture. And, and, and getting the message. So thank you very much, Jack. And, and it's a great idea, I swear. I'm going <laughs> to call you. Please, I have, I have a ton of ideas. I, have, I definitely do. Of course. <laughs> You're going to be part of it. Oh, movie. that'd be amazing. <laughs> and then finally, before I let you go, um, a couple of things. Number one, you know, I've been talking on this podcast for quite some time about the myth of the Latino movie star. You're a lead actor in your movies. Why do you think Hollywood hasn't created that Latino movie star? Because they are they're afraid, Jack. They're they're afraid of people not uh it's it's crazy. I I don't get it. Uh let me tell you why. I've been hearing every single time I go to um with a producer or uh, or someone in the industry to tell a story or whatever, they're always telling me. Uh, it's too Latino, or they're telling my agents, yeah, you know, he has an accent. Uh, he's too Latino, he has an accent, or this story is too Latino, or whatever. But then they see Salma, 
and Sofia with a thick, thick accent, and they love them. So it's crazy. I don't get it. It's just that they are, they, they, they're not opening their minds to new ideas. They, they're not seeing out of, uh, out of the box. They're just like, you sound foreign. I don't like you. But then they realize, oh, this girl is really charming and beautiful. Who is she? Salma Hayek or Sofia Vergara. Oh, we love her. Well, they should be open for everything. Same happened with uh, Guillermo del Toro and González Iñárritu and Alfonso Cuarón. They, because they come from another country, they're doing amazing films and it feels mm -hmm. different. No films can make a shape of water. Just Guillermo del Toro, because he comes from another country. He's, he has another kind of a feedback background. So that's why we have to be open to diversity, to have a different kind of a things in, 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 in movies in Hollywood. And same happens with Latinos. They are afraid of, uh, you know, you know uh, people, is, they're not going to like it that he's a Latino. Let's go for a white male instead. But um, eventually, I think um, that's what I started opening in my, my production company, Jack. I know. Tres Pass Studios. I, yes, and I, Tres Pass, Three Pass, actually. Okay. Uh, we, we wanted to make this joke. We're playing with words uh, that it's Tres Pass because we take all the decisions with our <laughs> Tres Pass. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we make a decision with the Tres Pass. And so, so what is um, the mission statement of Tres Pass? That, uh, first of all, I, I, I decided to give myself uh, work. I, I employed myself by doing my own movies because I knew since the beginning that it was going to be hard. So this way, I do my own movies, I hired myself, and then eventually they're going to hopefully uh, like my work and they're going to call me. But right now, I need to employ myself. That's why. Is, it, is the target about creating products for... American audiences? First of all, we want to take care of uh, second generations. For We want to take care of those Latinos that know English, but they still want to know. We, we see people that, for example, I have a lot of fans that grew up watching my shows, but now they just look uh, English uh, or TV or, or English speaking movies. So that's why I want to. Um, get to those uh, Latinos and also conquer a new audience for me. Uh, and I would get, I, I'm, I want to get into the Anglo market, to the general market by doing my own movies. And uh, I want to change their mind about Latinos. That's why I'm always trying to portray a different kind of Latino. Uh, that's why I did Geostorm, where I play an astronaut. That's what I'm doing overboard with being a millionaire instead of a janitor. And uh, that's what I'm, um, I did Miracles from Heaven, where I did a, a doctor that is uh, the number one in, in Boston Pediatrician Hospital. And that's what I want to do. I want to try to change a little bit more. You're breaking uh, stereotypes. The, breaking stereotypes and change the, the image of Latinos in Hollywood. Uh, you're, you're like a unicorn right now. You know, you're, 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 you're the only person kind of doing what you're doing and there's no other... I just don't really see many people kind of going in, in, in this category that you're doing and you're killing it, man. So I just want to thank you and congratulate you for having the balls <laughs> to deal with the criticism, <laughs> to deal with the risks, with the challenges 
of getting to where you need to go. I know it's not easy, Eugenio, for us Latinos. It's not easy mm-hmm. getting into this uh, marketplace, especially because there's it's a marketplace of clicks. It's their guys. It's you know absolutely. It, it's it's hard and and and. And especially uh, in my case, it's even harder because, you know, I, I don't speak the language and, and, and it's really hard to, to, to get there or, or to be the, the Eugenio that I used to was, uh, that I was in Spanish. So uh, I appreciate all your words and, and I, I like that you are recognizing all this effort. Thank you very much, Jack. All right. And uh, for everybody that's listening, May 4th, Overboard, come see a different type of movie. It's the movie that was meant for us. It's an American movie, exactly. a real American movie. So thank you very much, Eugenio. Yes. Thank you for being in the Highly Relevant Podcast. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your words. Okay, amigo. Gracias. Saludos. Thanks for reminding me that that moment. Sí, no, muy especial <laughs> para mí. Tú no tienes idea. Yo aún me recuerdo de ese momento porque, you know, fue uno de esos momentos en vivo, en especial aquí en Nueva York. I think people really still remember it. Entonces, gracias, amigo. Ay, gracias. Muchos abrazos. A ti, un abrazo grande. I recently discovered this brand of underwear called Saks. That's spelled S-A-X-X. And I'm not kidding. The best pair of underwear I've ever worn, bar none. You know, a lot of us guys don't realize that quality is important down there. We just put on whatever our wives pick up for us or we buy on sale somewhere. There's not enough thought put into men's underwear, which is why when I tried Saks for the first time, It changed my whole outlook on men's underwear. Here's the thing about Saks underwear. They actually care about the design of our anatomy. They're so comfortable and supportive. They look luxe and feel so smooth. It feels like you're going commando, believe it or not. Best part is that there's absolutely no friction whatsoever because of their distinctive design called the ballpark pouch. My favorites are the Vibe trunks, no question about it. They have a nice modern fit, giving you a soft-fitted hug right around your upper thighs. So because you'll thank me profusely for turning you on to this must-have underwear, I've arranged for you to get $5 off your first purchase of Saks underwear, plus free shipping. Just use my promo code Highly relevant. That's highly relevant, and it's only for a limited time. So go ahead, order a few pairs of Saks underwear. Go to Saks underwear at s a x x underwear dot com and use the promo code Highly Relevant. That's Saks with two X's. And remember again, Saks underwear dot com promo code Highly Relevant. You're gonna thank me after your first wear. It's time for a recap of the week's top stories in movies, TV, music, and digital and social media in a segment I like to call Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie news of the week. Zoe Saldana is lending her voice to a new animated movie with Hugh Jackman. Diego Luna joins the cast of DreamWorks Trollhunters Part 3 on Netflix. Jumanji starring The Rock is getting a sequel premiering Christmas 2019. Horror hit A Quiet Place is getting a sequel. The new Han Solo movie will be a trilogy. And Guatemalan actor Oscar Isaac will guest star in the Disney Channel series Star Wars Resistance. In TV news, the Luis Miguel Telemundo biopic has begun with a ratings slump. Robert Rodriguez is premiering his new diversity documentary Stand United April 29th on El 
Rey Network. Netflix has announced a three-project deal with U.S. Latino comedian Gabriel Fluffy Iglesias. National TV personality Marisol Castro has started a new web series titled Somos, highlighting Latino achievement. And Latina executive Nina Diaz will be the new president of programming and development for MTV, VH1, and Logo. Switching over to music, apart from Jennifer Lopez debuting her first Spanish single of 2018, El Anillo, the Premios Billboard saw Ozuna win Artist of the Year, while Despacito took home six trophies, including Hot Latin Song of the Year and Latin Pop Song of the Year. And a pregnant Cardi B also performed at the event. And in digital and social media news, Fortnite is the most successful free-to-play console game of all time. Apple's next iPhone could come with a new iPen stylus. Twitter's finally making money. Snapchat releases a second version of their camera-enabled sunglasses called Spectacles 2 for 150 bucks. And Sprint and T-Mobile might be making an official merger very soon. So we've all waited 10 years for this moment. Avengers Infinity War has finally arrived. It is the culmination of a decade's worth of investing ourselves in Marvel's vision of superhero films that have changed the way Hollywood functions as an industry. So it helped me pull apart the pros and the cons of the film and what you can expect for your 20 bucks, believe it or not, it's 20 bucks a ticket here in New York at least, is my good friend and film critic, Mike Sargent, who appears frequently on Fox News and PBS. Dude, we have to talk about this. This is a hard film to review. So here are three things. Here are three things of why I think The Avengers is going to be the greatest, most epic superhero film of all time. Number one, the CGI was a problem. Uh, they Instead of going all out, they kind of gave you half-ass. Number two, the storyline. The story, even though it was Th Thanos, there was the whole movie was an exposition on Thanos. Why? Because they never gave us a backstory on the guy. So they took the movie as like a vehicle, like a vessel to explain his character from beginning to end. And, uh, and then thirdly, here's something that not everybody's talking about. Don't you think there were way too many jokes and way too many comedy scenes and puns and just gags and punchlines going on where you're like, dude, this is the movie where I remember watching Transformers, the cartoon when Megatron killed Optimus Prime. Dude, that along with Hulk Hogan turning heel in the NWO were the two moments that scarred me in pop culture because I couldn't believe that an icon like that would die. Now, there's many deaths in this movie, and I might say, I, I won't be spoiling anything. There's a lot of deaths in these movies because everybody's been talking about, like, well, if it's going to be the ultimate war, who's going to die? Well, people die. The question is, do they come back in the sequel? That's, like, the big question. Uh, the movie doesn't reveal itself. It is what it is at the moment. But I particularly don't believe the hype. I think Doctor Strange has something to do with that. I think he's fooled a few people. And I think he's going to be a main driver of the sequel. Um, so, But the humor was a problem to me. There was too many jokes. Don't you feel that that detracted from the drama and the building of the intensity in a crescendo-like manner? You know, no. I, and I'll tell you why. I think for, for three reasons why. One, what sets the Marvel movies apart, specifically from the DC movies, is its own sense of, of sort of not taking itself too seriously 
Okay. Uh, and I think that, that, you know, you're talking about all the drama, the drama of a bunch of, you know, guys running around in colorful costumes and, you know, the world is at stake again. I mean, you know, I think there's almost so much drama you can mine out of that. I think, you know, again, the, the genre has been so successful that there's been, it's been done a bazillion times. So I think it's hard to pull the drama out of that. Two, you know, the tone has been set in films like Gardens of the Galaxy and films like, uh, um, uh, you know, Ant-Man, uh, who wasn't even in this, but, but Thor, which really, you know, has become you know, it had a little bit of comedy, but progressively by the last one they did, it really was, you know, it's a comedy from, from the moment you hit. Right. And I think that that, I think A, that's what's made them accessible. B, that's what's made them enjoyable. And C, for people who really don't care so much about all the, the uber geek stuff, they want to, you know, like a good TV show, you want to get a little bit of development, character development on your characters that you love, but you want to enjoy spending time with them, no matter what's at stake. And I think that that's part of why they do that. I, I didn't find the, the humor uh, distracting. I definitely could say that there have been other Marvel movies where I think they went too far, but I think that that's been part of the success. So I, I can see why they did it, and I and I can't see them. How are you going to stick the Guardians of the Galaxy in what would be, let's say, if the tone of this were totally serious doom and gloom? I also think that no, the but movie, I think there's space for comedy. It was just excessive. Uh, you know, for I, I a did, movie that's supposed to be about the ultimate war. You know, uh, to an extent, people's expectations are a little high. And I think why that, wouldn't it be, Mike? Well, I'm this not is, saying that they shouldn't be. This is the pinnacle of but, the industry. This is the pinnacle of the art form, especially in the superhero genre. It has to be epic in a way that boggles the mind. Well, that's a tall freaking order. Well, that's the that's order that Marvel put order. itself into by Again, creating such quality. You know that's what I'm saying? Where I'm going, I'm saying that. It's a pretty tall order to satisfy that many characters, that many storylines, that many elements into a satisfying film. You know, I think it's, it's a pretty tall order. And I think, like you said, it's, it, it, to, in, to some extent, collapsed under the weight of its own intentions. Yes, absolutely. Perfectly said. I, I totally agree with that. One of the things that I thought was positive about the movie and I think would have felt different if it was, uh, like you say, more serious. And again, this is just opinion here. We're talking. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel the time. I didn't Me feel... Neither. I didn't feel the time at all. And I think the reason we didn't feel the time at all is because of in the midst of all this bombastic action and there's plenty of action and, and deaths and, and killing and torture and maiming. We had that humor. And I think that the humor is what helped keep it bouncing along and not feel like two hours and whatever, 40 minutes or however long this mm -hmm. movie was. So that's, that's just, again, hate to disagree with you, but that's how I feel. <laughs> What did you like? What were the, some of the, the highlights for you of the film that you feel that everyone else is going to enjoy tremendously? Um, you know, I think probably the biggest highlight is having some of these characters meet for the first time. You know, 
That's uh, true. You know, I, like I, like I, Iron Man and uh, the guy from Guardians of the Galaxy, Chris Pratt's character. Right, right, right. All of that that was the the be- the most fun stuff was seeing these characters that you know individually meeting these other characters, and that's always been the fun of uh you know group. Uh, comics of Marvel team up the defenders. It's like all these characters you think that would not get along. How do they end up getting along? And so, uh, you know, that was probably the most enjoyable thing, like seeing these characters. And, and if you've seen all the other movies, because I think there's a lot of people that will come into this movie, especially Black Panther. I think the reason it's outpacing in pre-sales is because Black Panther, it, it, it may, for Black Panther to make more money than all of it means that people who don't normally go see superhero movies went to see it. So, and, and that's not just black folks, but it's just people like it. You hear something that gets so much hype, you go. And if you enjoy it and you see the characters coming back again three months later in another movie, I think there's a 30, 35% of this audience for Avengers are people who never saw these movies or didn't really care, but saw Black Panther and want more. Right. You know, it's interesting. Now that you're saying that, I wanted more of the Hulk and I didn't get him. And they deliberately resisted to bring him out because they had Bruce Banner three, four times try to become the Hulk on screen. And for some reason, he couldn't, which is the reason that he was in the Hulk Iron Man suit. Tell me that's not visual effects money that they wanted to save. Uh, I I disagree. I think that that, uh, I don't think it's visual effects money. I I don't think that, that, that there's any money that they... That they need would have needed that they wouldn't have spent on this movie. I don't. I, I don't think that they. So what's the I don't story think, that they uh, couldn't well, hit? In w- I think. I think again. I think they're they're trying to keep it fresh. They're trying to keep it special. I mean, to an extent, you know. And again, I I I, I w- you brought it up. I wouldn't have brought it up because I feel it's kind of a spoiler. But to an extent, I think that Hulk appearing. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, Hulk's a bit of a limiting character. Either like he's Hulk smashes, or he gets knocked out, and that's really all he can do. And if he kind of comes in and he's, you know, where are you going to go with the story if Hulk? If every time Hulk comes in, he's just so super strong and he's just pounding, he's fighting Thanos. It would have just been a battle between Thanos and the Hulk. That's really what it would have been because Hulk would not have backed down until he got knocked out. Didn't they fight in the in the movie though? At the, right at the beginning. Well, yeah, and then and he never, like you said, he never came, he never came back. <laughs> he never so, came back. Right. right. How long was the movie? A, like two forty, two forty five, something like that. Something like that. It was quite quite a long movie. Uh, but again, I didn't feel it, and and so I like that I didn't feel it. I like that we we get to see these characters meet each other. Uh, you know, did I love it? No, I didn't love it, but I definitely liked it. So, if you definitely. had to rank them. Part one, part two, and part three, how would they come in? Uh, in terms of the Avengers movies? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say probably Avengers number one was the best Avengers. This would probably be number two. And then uh, Age of Ultron, though it had some things I liked about it, it ultimately was kind of disappointing. It was, so. especially with uh, the Hawkeye character and Jeremy Renner. Yes, yes. And, and it's interesting, Jeremy Renner's character does not show up in this either. Thank God. <laughs> Listen, overall, I think The Avengers was an enjoyable film if you're not a film critic and if you're just a fan and you rarely go to the movies and you save up all your pennies and money and bucks to, you know, to to go to one particular movie this year outside of Black Panther, 
Yeah, this one's it because it has all the trademarks of epicness on it. Uh, we get to see characters change for the better. I think they've improved the costumes of Iron Man. They've improved the costumes of Spider-Man. There's a lot here to enjoy, to have fun with, but is it a perfect ending to the 10-year anniversary? At least this part one isn't. We're hoping that the sequel is definitely going to make up for maybe some of the imperfections of uh, Infinity War Part 1. Uh, you know, I, I think overall, you know, you you might be, I mean, it, it's, the, because it was originally going to be called Infinity War Part 1 and 2, uh, what's happening here, I think, I think you may be right about your Doctor Strange uh, comment. I definitely think the one thing, without giving away too much, is people do die, but you're not quite sure why they die. Now, if you're looking for post and credits after that, you're not going to get it at the first series of credits. You're going to get a post screen at, at the, the very end. Very, very end. One to ten, how would you rate this movie, man? Um, I probably would give it a seven. I would give it a seven. You know, that's a good number because that number kind of says it's not mediocre. It's better than most Marvel films, but it's not better than Winter Soldier or maybe even better than Civil War. Um, even though I loved Avengers and the way that played out, this one should have had more gravitas. So I faulted for several reasons and I really couldn't find many faults in Avengers Part 1. I couldn't really find many faults in Winter Soldier and Civil War. This is a movie that I that I, that I'm poking hole, holes at because it has holes to pull at to uh, to poke at. So. Yes, I, I concur. All right, Mike. All right, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for all right jumping on and just trying to break this puppy down. Yeah, well, Ed, yeah, I think we did a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> Every week I share some new tracks I've discovered. Here are three you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Familiar, Liam Payne and Jay Balvin. Bailando Contigo, Monsieur Perine. X, Nicky Jam and J Balvin. Before we wrap up the show, Zetna Fuentes is going to be my guest next week. Here's a quick tease of what you can expect from our very candid conversation on Latinas wanting to become TV directors. The statistics are not lying. You know, the numbers are dismal, uh, but I'm very optimistic because what I'm seeing now in the last few years is, and especially the, I would say this last year, is that there are there are many qualified women and directors of color and 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 the us, the women of color that are directors, do what we pick both boxes. 
um, that are getting their their fight, you know, their due. And that's it for episode 74 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Eugenio Derbez and Mike Sargent for hanging out with me. And I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you like this podcast, please share, retweet, and recommend our show on all your social media platforms. Remember, it's through your word of mouth that our show can grow. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.